0: Yes, um, Pastor and I will be um, taking a a sabbatical for about six weeks, so we won't be here um, physically, but we'll definitely be here in spirit. Um, Continue to support the church, continue to come. We have some amazing pastors who will be coming um, to share the word of God with you, who will be here to encourage you um, as well. Just don't get used to it because we are coming back. Don't get used to it, okay, because we are coming back. But, um, so, Merry Christmas. It feels like Christmas out there, doesn't it? It does, right? Doesn't it feel like Christmas? It's snow and it's slippery and everything. I was talking to um my son Joey. um, he goes to school in Miami. Yes, he goes. So I'm like, How, "How's the weather over there, son?" He's like, "Well, Mom, do you really want to know? It's seventy seven degrees. It's sunny. It's balmy. It's perfect weather. I'm like, oh great. Well, were you coming home on the nineteenth? It won't be so sunny. It won't be so balmy. It won't be so warm. But he's um he's excited to come home. Um just excited to be with you here today. I wanna just um just um say to um to you all that pastor is healing well. He had his um his staples out last week. Um, so it looks really good. The the x-rays look amazing. Um, and then Tuesday, he begins physical therapy. So any of you who've ever had physical therapy on a broken arm, leg, limb, you probably know that it's not going to be an easy thing. But just keep him in prayer because, you know, I feel that God is this is just one step closer to him being back on his feet and doing what he does best. Um, Uh, You know, he's going to be, um, he still has five weeks before he can put any pressure on his foot. So, during our sabbatical, he'll still be healing. Um, so just keep him in prayer. Um, we're just, uh, believing that God is going to, um, speed up the process. Um, and you know, for whatever reason this has happened, we just trust God in the process. We just trust him. We just say, okay, don't know why it happened, but we're going to trust you, Lord. Um, Last week, um, Pastor Marcus, he, we talked about, we're talking about come to worship, right? Christmas is about worship. Christmas is about um, baby Jesus and him coming down from heaven to earth um, to really to die for you and for me. I would say that that's an, an a, a excellent reason to worship, to worship, to worship God, to worship, you know, Christmas Christmas to me, yes, it's about, it's beautiful, the lights and the trees and the presents and all the nostalgia and all of the traditions that come with the the time, right? But when you think, when you take all that away, if you don't have the tree, if you don't have the presents, if you don't have the lights, you don't have the stockings hung up by the fireplace and all that, there's still a reason to worship. There's still a reason to worship. Why? Because Jesus was born. And I know that's simple. I know that that sounds so simple, very simplistic. Um, You know, we hear it all the time in church. You know, we see it on pamphlets and all that. We see people wearing them on shirts. And that's great and everything. But that's really, that's the truth of the matter is that, yes, Jesus is worthy to be praised and he is worthy to be worshipped. There's nothing better. Why right? We worship we worship sports teams, you know. We worship, we, we you know well not literally worship, but you know, we're like, yay, we're rooting for our teams, we're wearing the gear, the shirts, the hats, you know, we're doing all of that. And and that's all fine and fun, but in reality. You and me, as followers of Jesus, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, Jesus is the reason for this amazing time of year. He is the reason why we celebrate. We celebrate because of what, why he came. He came to die 33 years later on a wooden cross, beaten, bruised for your sins and for my sins. I say that's something to worship. I say that's a reason to celebrate, a reason to worship because of what he did on the cross. No matter what I've done and no matter where I've been, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, we serve a God who loves us, who is, his love is unconditional His love is amazing. His love is, there's no strings attached to that. his love. And I think that many of us, we forget that he loves us that way. And I think we get so inundated with life and pressures and all of the the stuff that we have to do on a day-to-day basis that we forget that we get to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and that he's present with us everywhere we are. No matter where we are, no matter where we go, Jesus is always present with you and with me. Last week, um, Pastor Marcus, he spoke about all the different reasons, right? We worship God through prayer. We worship God through thanksgiving, through testimony, through music, through serving, through giving. We worship God in all of these different ways. And basically, you know, I was thinking about the message, and I'm like, you know What? Basically, worship, it's just a way of life for you and for me. As followers of Jesus, right, we worship God as we serve a neighbor. We worship God as we give. We worship God as we, as we um, pray. We worship God as we, we're kind to somebody. We, we worship God as we give a testimony of what God has done for us to someone who may need it. We worship God as you serve here on a Sunday morning and you're greeting people or you're pouring a cup of coffee or you're serving with the children, you know, or here in production, wherever we may be here in this building, as we serve God, we are worshiping him. So your life is an act of worship. Your breathing is an act of worship. What we do, what we say, where we, how we live, how we care for our families how we speak to our husbands how we speak to our children that is all an act of worship we worship God with every fiber of our being when I was I grew up in I was born in Puerto Rico and um and I remember the very first time I ever saw Santa Claus because in Puerto Rico we don't we don't so, you know, during that time, we didn't really celebrate um, Christmas that way. We celebrated Three Kings Day, which was really on January 6th. So um, I remember being at school, and schools there are very are open courtyard. So you have the little classrooms in the you know on the outskirts, and then in the middle, it's it's outdoors. So I remember the first time I ever saw that jolly old elf. He had he had his hat. He had his red and white suit, his black boots, his beard. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is this? Who is this man? And he's got all these presents and everything. And I remember him sitting in the middle of the courtyard, and I heard my name. And I'm like, "I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I don't know who he is. You know, so I went back to my classroom when I came to the mainland here. Um, they celebrated Christmas, so then I, I figured out, oh, he's Santa Claus. He's a good guy. He's good. He's, it's, he's okay. But we celebrated Three Kings Day. Three kings, the three kings, what did they do? They came to worship the Lord. They came. So in Puerto Rico, we hide. Tradition is we get a little box, and we put hay, right, in the box, and then we put it under the bed. And then... The um, the three kings, they come to your house. They get, you know, they take the hay to feed the, you know, the camels, and they leave presents under. So, yeah, that's our tradition. I actually still do that with my boys. I still do that with Joey and Josiah. And I don't think that, obviously, they know it's not camels or anything anymore, right? How do they get to Pine Bush, (laughs) you know? But they love the tradition, okay? So the three kings, they came to worship the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So Matthew chapter 2, let's see if this is working for me today. Okay, so after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country to una- by another route. Jesus was the real deal. To think that these three, they were not Christians. They weren't people um, who were followers of, of God. These were astrologers and, and, and astronomers and all that. But they, in the prophecy, in the scrolls, they saw that there was a prediction, a prophecy, that this was going to be happening. So what did they do? They went, and when they saw what they saw, according to as it was written, they bowed down and they worshiped him. Today we're going to talk about something that maybe you wouldn't consider worship, but I'm going to explain to you why it is worship. We're going to talk about pouring our hearts out to God. Why is pouring out our heart to God an act of worship? Many of you probably know this. I'm just going to say it. Pouring out our heart to God in, is an act of worship because we are admitting that we can't do it on our own. We are admitting that only he can bring a solution to the problem. Only he can take what's all broken and messed up, and he can bring a resolution to it. Pouring out our hearts to God, I'll tell you, it was really hard for me as I was writing this message. Sometimes when we write a message and God gives us a word to speak, a lot of the times, you know, we're writing the message But many times what God does, he allows us to go through what we're writing about. So I grew up in a house with a very strong Puerto Rican mom who went through a lot in her life. And she taught us girls, you don't show fear. You don't show emotion. You push through. So I have learned that over my life, and it's not, it's not, I guess, in the last few years, I have learned to be more vulnerable and transparent, especially with the Lord. But even with God during this message, I had a really hard time because I have to have control of the situation, including my emotions, because if I don't have control of my emotions, then I'm going to appear weak. I'm going to appear like I don't have control of my life. And God is not, he doesn't work that way. You and I as followers of Jesus, he wants us to be with him, to trust him, but to to be so transparent and vulnerable in his presence, we don't have to be afraid that we can just pour out our complaint. We can pour out our heart to him. Today, I'm going to give you three points, but before I do that, I just want to put this um, in the back of your head. We're going to um, end the service a little bit differently today because I want to give you an opportunity to pour out your heart to God. I want to give you an opportunity to say, you know what, God? I can't do this. You know what, God? I need you. I am, I'm tired I am depleted. I am struggling. I can't do this. Some of you are in this room, and you guys may be having a great season, a great year, and I'm so happy about that. But even in your season of great victories and in great peace and great joy, worship and pour out your heart to God. Say, God, you've been so good to me. God, you've been so kind. God, you've been so generous. I pour out my heart to you because you've been so good to me. But there are some of us here in this room, I know there are people right here in this room right now who just lost a loved one. There are people in here who are are not having a good beginning to end to the year. But to those people, I say worship. Worship The Lord, pour out your heart to God. Pour it out. Your life may not be exactly what you want it to be right now. Pour out your complaint before the Lord. Say, God, I'm not feeling this right now. I'm not happy with the way things are going. I'm not happy with the way life is is, is going right now. Pour out your heart to the Lord. Psalm 142.2 says, I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. I cry to you, Lord. I say you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Psalm 62.8 says, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him for God is our refuge. Now, in Psalm 142, King David at the time, um, they're not sure why he wrote it. They're speculating, the theologians are speculating that it was possibly because his son, Absalom, had turned against him. And his son, so he was grieved about that. He was grieved that his son was just, you know, um, rising up armies against the father, his father, King David. And so he was grieving that. Others are saying that it was possibly because all of those people who were friends, when they were saying, you know, David has, you know, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his 10,000s, all of those people just turned against him. Have you ever been there? When you feel like the world has just turned against you and you're wondering how on earth they were just my friend or they were my family or they were, you know, They were my coworker. They were people, my confidant, people I I trusted. And here they are turning against me. Well, David knew. And David, he was an awesome poet. So if you read the book of Psalms, most of the Psalms are written by him. They're cries of, of cries to God about where he is in life. And he is saying here, I pour out before him my complaint. Do you have a complaint to pour out to God today? Do you have a complaint to pour out to God today? Today we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. And it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to get emotional in the presence of God. That's beautiful. That's healing. When we weep, when we cry, those, that brings healing. It doesn't mean you're weak. I've learned that. Actually, it's very, you, you know, it takes a lot of strength to admit that we need God. It takes a lot of strength to say, you know what, I can't do this on my own. I need Jesus. I need the Lord. You know, when the boys were little, um, anytime there was a, snow, um, a thunderstorm, lightning, they would run to my room. Their safe place was my bedroom. I wish they would do that now, but they're 22 and 16, and they're just like, no, we're good. We're good, right? So he, um, so Josiah, I do, I, I kind of go into his room when it thunders and lightnings, and I'm like, Josiah, do you want to come into mommy's room? You know, he's like, no, I'm good here, mom. i He probably does want to come in here, but he's like a guy now. He doesn't like to do that. But when they were little, they would run to my room and they would find refuge there. Yeah, I don't know who your refuge is or where you find safety. But I'm hoping and praying that by the end of today, that it's Jesus that you run to, that it's Jesus that you find your strength and your hope in. You know, strong towers, I always wonder, what is it? You know, what is a strong tower? The strong towers are part of a fortress. And, you know, there are some scriptures in the Bible that say, you know, God, you're my strong tower. I run to you and I'm safe there. So, the strong, God is your strong tower. God is your strength. God is your everything. So when you are going through trials, when you're going through troubles, when you're going through things that are just don't make sense, run to Jesus. He is your strong tower. I think of Hannah in the Bible. Hannah, Hannah was a woman who, um, who was in the, in the Old Testament. She was married to a very influential man. And during those times, um, men could marry multiple wives. So my husband, he's like, thank God we don't live in Bible times because I could only, I could only (laughs) take one wife, and that's you. So I'm thankful too because I couldn't share them. (laughs) However, this poor woman, she could not have children. And during the times of the Bible, a woman who was not able to conceive was considered, eh, there's something wrong with her. There's something wrong with her. So her husband had another wife who was able to have lots of children. And what would this woman do? She would taunt her. She's like, oh, you know, look at my kids. Oh, I'm pregnant with another one. And poor Hannah, she was just so devastated. So once a year they would make, do, make their pr- pilgrimage to make their sacrificial offerings, And she said, you know what? I'm just going to go to the temple to pray. I'm going to go to the temple to pray. So 1 Samuel 1.10, it shows that Hannah was in deep. So she went to the altar. She went to the altar. And it says, Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. Have you ever gone to the Lord and prayed bitterly? Just got on your face and ugly cried? not running down your face puffy eyes just crying out to god if you haven't done that yet i hope that you take the opportunity to do that because it is a healing cleansing process hannah was crying bitterly before the lord she's like i just can't do this god why why You know, and it wasn't a Christian prayer, you know, it wasn't like, you know, us Christians, we like to just be all dignified, come to the altar, you know, we're just like, oh, Lord, you know, give me a child. Or, oh, Lord, just answer this prayer. It wasn't that type of prayer. The prayer was, God, I need you. I need you, God. I can't do this anymore. I don't know what I'm going to do if you don't intervene. I don't know what I'm going to do if you don't step in and take care of the situation in my life. It's a type of prayer that comes from your gut. It's a type of prayer, and it's a prayer sometimes where all you can do is not even utter words. They're groans and moans and almost animalistic. God wants us to be that way when it comes to him. Because only he knows exactly what we're going through. Only he knows exactly what is happening on the inside of us. And he knows that eventually it's all going to come out. It'll come out on our kids. It leak, will leak out on people because we're angry and bitter and upset. And just unhappy. God wants us to be healthy. So, in order for us to be emotionally healthy, we have to pour out our hearts to God so we don't leak on the people we love around us. So, as she was praying like that here at the altar, at the altar, the priest at the time, he looks at her, he's like, Stop doing that, you're drunk. Stop doing that. You're making a, a show of yourself. You're an embarrassment. And she's like, oh, my goodness. She goes, no. She goes in 1 Samuel 1, 15 to 16. She says, no, I am, but I am very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. People are not going to understand, and it's okay that they don't understand when you are in the process or in the season of pouring out your heart to God. Because sometimes it's, just, it's not just an altar call for like two minutes. Sometimes it's a process. You're going home and you're pouring out your heart to God. You're in your car and you're pouring out your heart to God. And people around you are not really gonna understand it because they're not where you're at. But that's okay. Continue to pour out your heart to God. I'm gonna give you three things that I do when I'm going through a storm. And we have, let me tell you, we have been through tough times the last year. And I have had to learn to pour out my heart before the Lord. And these are three things that I have learned. Number one, I remember the goodness and the faithfulness of God. For those of us who've been walking with Jesus for a long time, we know that he's been good. We know that he has been faithful. We know that because he took care of things in the past, he's going to take care of things now, and he's going to take care of things in the future. We don't have to be afraid because God's got it. We may not see it with the natural. We may not understand it. But I'm here to tell you that God is on your side. He sees exactly what you're going through. And I'm here to tell you today, remember. Remember the faithfulness of God. Remember the goodness of God. Remember what where he's brought you from. Remember what he's done for you. Remember. Because when you remember, there is hope. No matter what is going through on in your life you can be going through hell and you can say you know what i'm going through hell right now but i know that god's got me i know i don't know how it's gonna happen i don't know how these bills are gonna get paid i don't know how i'm gonna be healed i don't know how my family's gonna be restored but i know that god is with me and i know that if he's done it for me before he is going to do it for me again right so we have to remember remember that's number one. Number two, we have to talk to ourselves. We have to talk to ourselves. We got to tell our souls, soul, get up. You're not going to stay downcast. You are going to rejoice. You are going to remember the goodness of God, the goodness and the faithfulness of God. You have to talk to yourself. Some, you got to tell yourself off if you have to tell yourself off. I don't know, but you need to tell your soul. Why are you so downcast? Why are you downcast, my soul? Why? Why are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Lamentations 3, 21 and 23 says, yet this I call to mind. And therefore, I have hope. Yet this I call to mind. I remember. I remember. I remember. And therefore, I have hope. If you can remember the goodness of God, you're going to have hope. Why? Because you know that he's been so good. You know that he's been faithful. You know he hasn't let you down. Josiah, just this week, he's like, Mom, how, how, do you, how, do you, how do you know that you can trust God? I know I can trust God because he's been good to me. I don't live in a world outside of your world. I live in the same exact world, and I've been through challenges, and I've been through struggles personally, and as a mom, and as a wife. But I can tell you this, that God's never let me down. He never has. And he's not going to let you down. Because there's nothing special about me. We're all his, ch- are his children. He loves each one of us, all of us, exactly the same. We, our journeys are different. Our paths are a little bit different. But he loves us. And ultimately, his plan for your life is for your good. It's for your good. So we have, to, we have to remember the goodness and faithfulness of God. We have to talk to ourselves. And then number three, number three, we have to remember when we're going through stuff that if he did it for us in the past, he'll do it for us today, but he'll also do it for us in the future. We know that challenges are going to come because that's just the way life is. Challenges, they're coming. They do. And when you're in that challenging season, a month from now, a week from now, a day from now, a year from now, I want you to remember that God is good. I want you to remember where he's brought you from and what he's done for you. And then I want you to say to yourself, be encouraged, soul, because I know that God is going to see me through. I don't know how, I don't know when, I just know he will. Psalm 102, let this be your prayer today. Psalm 102 says, hear my prayer. Lord, let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn your ear to me. When I call, answer me quickly. In my distress, I groan aloud and am reduced to skin and bones. I lie awake. I have become like a bird alone on a roof. All day long my enemies taunt me, and those who rail against me use my name as a curse. For I eat ashes as my food and mangle my drink with tears. But you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations and he will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. Hear my prayer, Lord.